Hello, people. This is Michael Hunter with ACC Basketball Report on a beautiful Sunday afternoon. Um, glad you guys could join me today. I have a, another interview uh, for you guys this week. This week I sat down with uh, Nathan Erbach of SlapTheSign.com. He's a colleague of mine that writes uh, primarily about uh, recruitments of, uh, of players to, uh, to Notre Dame basketball. But we got into uh, a little bit of... Uh, of a conversation about what he expects uh, during the upcoming season from Notre Dame basketball. He also dropped a pretty significant bomb on me um, as far as something that I did not know um, was going on with the, uh, the Notre Dame basketball roster right now. Um, I'll, I'll, I won't give it away. I'll let you guys uh, listen to the interview. Some of the audio is a little bit messed up. I was I was messing with the levels a little bit, and Nathan and myself didn't have a great uh, great connection on the phone. But um, he, he gave me uh, one really good token of information. Uh, we talked about uh, some recruits, some recruits that he likes, and what his expectations are uh, for the upcoming season. So uh, without further ado, here is the Nathan Erbach interview. We are live on uh, ACCBR. Uh, good to have you, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just uh, real quick, if you would uh, go ahead and uh, give the people, uh, you know, what you're into, uh, who you write for. I know, you know, you're a colleague of mine at Slap the Sign, but uh, what else you got going on? And I'm at my work season essentially. I did this past week with uh, for people who don't really know. I work in. Uh, college baseball, so uh, kind of like a coaching slash administrative role in for UNLV out in Las Vegas. Nice. And uh, we lost in the Mountain West uh, championship this past weekend, so unfortunately we're sitting at home watching everything right now. Yeah, that's always rough, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There's only one way you really want to end a season, and unfortunately only one team gets to do that. Yep, yep. So- I think we all know that as just college sports fans in general. Or, That's right. Yeah. So, uh, do you write for anybody else besides Slap a Sign? So, say that again, I'm sorry. Do you, uh, do you write with anybody else except Slap the Sign? No, just just Slap the Sign at the moment. We kind of merged over with uh, with Golden Domer Daily. Um, so all those kind of all the people that came over with me, uh, that was the side I wrote for. And then, yeah, we just kind of came over, and you know, my schedule is too busy to really do anything else in that sense. I hear you. So, um, for those of you who don't know, um, Nathan and I uh, typically contribute uh, to college basketball in itself, and Nathan seems to be plugged into uh, the recruiting side of, uh, of of Notre Dame basketball. And I brought him on today um, just to uh, just to talk about uh, some of his recruits and possibly uh, talk about the 2018 class and what his expectations are for Notre Dame. So what do you uh, what do you think of the 2018, this year's class that's coming in, Nate? Nathan? Yeah, so I was kind of just uh, briefly looking over it again, just to prepare a little bit. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's weird because Bray, I think most people who know Mike Bray, you view him as a, as a terrific coach in general, but mm-hmm. not a guy that brings in, like, the one-and-done types. And, you know, they, I guess the... The wording a lot of people use is Notre Dame is one of those teams that stays old. 
Yep. Um, so they, you know, whenever whenever two guys leave as seniors, you, know, you have two more guys stepping up as seniors or juniors or whatever. And you'll occasionally have the the freshman or sophomore, you know, start that you know is in the lineup like a Temple Gibbs or mm-hmm. uh, DJ Harvey and you know those kind of types or Demetrius Jackson, who you know recently was obviously uh, drafted in the second round. Um, but generally speaking, I mean, you have the juniors or or, uh, or the seniors that kind of lead that team and. Um, you know, I think this is one of the better recruiting classes overall, just in terms of uh, rankings. I think uh, four out of the five were top 100 players, and so yeah. that's pretty rare. Um, and then on top of that, it's also just rare for them to have five uh, five signees um, in general. So, um, I mean, I think it's going to stay the same in the sense that you know some of those guys are going to leave after their first year, probably their second year. Um, but all all those guys. Um, you know, bring different things to the table. I mean, you have uh, Lashevsky, who, um, you know, is a guy that can play inside and outside. I think he's known as one of the better shooters in the class, but he's yeah, 6'10", absolutely. so he can probably, you know, once he's in the once he's in the weight class, or once he's in the class and in the weight room for a couple of years, he can probably bang down a little bit, sort of more like a Donji Colson type than, a, than like a Zach August type. Um, mm. You know, for anybody out there that follows Notre Dame, I think he's going to be, Know, closer to that, or like a John, I'm probably closer to John Mooney, uh, you know, the guy that's going to be going into his junior year at Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, know, you got the guys like Dane, Dane Goodwin and uh, Robbie Camodi, who, uh, who will be more of like the Pat Connaughton type. So they'll play, you know, they can shoot the three, but they can also, I think, you know, drive to the hole. So think Rex Fluke, if you're, if you're thinking guys right now on the roster, but probably a little bit more consistent on the on the shooting end. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then you have Prentice Hug, who I think, if you know, if he didn't tear his ACL uh, before his before his senior year, I think he's a guy that would have probably rose up the rankings even more. I think he actually dropped probably twenty or thirty spots from where he was when he signed. Yeah, I agree. And. Uh, <laughs> And I think he's like kind of the X factor in this class. If he can turn into the guy that that you know some of those top notch schools like Villanova, um, I think he had maybe even some better offers. Like uh, I think maybe Duke and North Carolina were interested in, but they didn't offer. I think they probably would have if he didn't pair his ACL. Yep. Yeah. I uh, I put that piece out on him uh, a few weeks ago. I didn't really know a whole lot about Hub. Um, obviously because his senior year was kind of a wash with that, with that busted up knee. But, um, when I started to watch film on him, he was, he was the one that jumped out to me. I've, I've, I've looked at, you know, what I could get for video on all four of the ones you mentioned. Um, and to me, hub looks like he might be the biggest impact as a freshman. You think he's going to play point guard for him? Yeah. I mean, I think he's, he's kind of a combo guard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Temple, I think they'll probably see Temple Gibbs, uh, play the point. Uh, just because he's experienced and mm. you know he's going into his junior year, and I think he's actually a guy that can take that step and possibly be drafted as a junior if he if he takes the proper you know leaps mm-hmm. that you want to see in that. And I think he's you know six three. He could probably play at like two hundred, two hundred five if he wants to. Um, but yeah, I would probably say Prentice will either come off the come off the bench as like your sixth or seventh guy, or you know possibly start at that at that two spot. Um. What do you? Because I, I haven't actually. Uh, Doherty's going to be the last guy that I actually uh, uh, write up on. Slap the sign. What What do you know about Chris Doherty? I, I, I'm looking at the roster right now. He's the, actually the only one that hasn't signed a letter of intent. Do you know anything about that? Well, I, you know, I think he actually has. I, I was thinking. I looked at that a few weeks ago, and I'm not sure if if, if it's accurate or not. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to like say he did or didn't without officially knowing. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I think like sometimes like if you look on like 247 mm-hmm. uh, sports, it's not completely updated. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm, like I said, I'm not positive, but uh, he's kind of that dirty, like not dirty as in like a, <laughs> like he's not going to like commit. He's not you know, Grayson fouls or anything like that, but he's just kind of like that guy that will do the nitty gritty stuff for you. He's mm-hmm. not, you know, he's, I think he's ranked 315 in the country, but he's, you know, he's a big guy. Yeah, maybe yeah. at six, seven, two twenty five, So he's filled out as a freshman. And I've heard some people say that if they really wanted him to, or really needed him to, he could probably play right away just because he doesn't necessarily have the highest ceiling in the world, but he's, he's kind of maxed out as a player already of what he'll be at the next level. Right. So, um, I think Austin Torres as another game fan would probably be a little bit more skilled on the offensive end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so swap, switching gears, I guess we'll look at uh, some 2019 targets. Um, who do you, who's who's your favorite target that that Bray's going after right now? Uh, I mean, I think it has to be Isaiah Stewart. Yeah, um, he's really the only big time five star guy that I think that they've had a legitimate shot with in at least a while. Um, and you know, I think right now he's ranked eighth in the country. So, um, yeah, he's not possible one and done type at Bray doesn't typically go after, but you know, might need to. And, you know, look, uh, I don't know how, how, uh, how closely some of the, the listeners follow Notre Dame recruiting or just Notre Dame basketball in general, but Bray has t- last like five or six years when he's gone after his top target, he's landed him. Yeah. Whether that means it's a two person class, even a one person class in DJ Harvey's case, or a four person class or something like that. And right now, Isaiah Stewart's that guy that Bray really wants. So I wouldn't put it past him to land him. Um, and, and, you know, like I said, he's one of the best players in the class. If he can do it, it would be a great boost. Mm-hmm. Um, and he'd be a guy that could fill in that, you know, power forward or center role right away for him. So, I mean, I think he has to be the favorite for pretty much anybody at this point. And uh, for those who may not know, uh, Isaiah Stewart did uh, chop his list down to 10 uh, the other day, I think four or five days ago. And Notre Dame obviously did make the cut, or else we probably wouldn't be talking about it right now. But, um what uh who who else is on your radar as far as maybe somebody that uh you know somebody that maybe people don't really know a whole lot about but you you're kind of into and think that could be a, a high value target for for Notre Dame. Yeah, so there's probably two guys I would like to mention. Um, they offered a di- and just so to give a little background knowledge, uh, it looks like they're probably trying to sign a one or two person class. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with the class that they have coming in because it's so big and right. they have a few like they have a transfer that's going to be playing for them this year so they're not there's not a necessity in terms of numbers mm-hmm. um, but it looks like it's going to be they're looking for power forwards and centers so like if they sign if they, if they really like a guard they'll go after a guard but other than that I think they're trying to find some big men um, they offered a guy fairly recent I think he's their most recent offer um, in basketball his name's Trey, uh, Trey Mitchell yep. uh, 6'9", 245 so he's kind of like um, Doherty in the sense that he's already kind of that big bodied guy and uh, everything I've read about him uh, says that he's a great powerful um, he can score with both hands uh, he can you know he can shoot I don't know if, I don't know if he can step out you know and shoot the three but you know just you know that 15 to 18 footer um, I think is definitely in his arsenal um, and I think that if they miss out on um, Stewart or even if they land Stewart I think this is a guy that they're really going to target he's kind of in that same range as the guys they landed this past cycle he's you know in that top 100 range but I think he's a guy that they'd really like if they uh, 
you know, if he wants to come, if he wants to come in the class, I don't think that they would reject his his uh, commitment. Yeah, he's not a player I know a whole lot about. Um, it says here on, I got twenty four seven pulled up now. Uh, number eighty nine in the country, eighteenth uh, ranked center. He is uh, yeah, he's a big boy, six nine, two forty five. Um, looks like Louisville, Louisville's offering. Uh, Louisville's considered warm uh, according to twenty four seven. The kid's from Connecticut, so obviously Connecticut is uh, is is in on him probably fairly deep. Um, do you think they would take both if if they're if they're able to? If they both want to come, <clears throat> yeah, I would say yeah. I think he's a good enough. I think he's a good enough recruit, and, and unless they are able to get um, like a graduate uh, mm-hmm. transfer or, or a transfer that has to sit out a year that they really like, and we can kind of get into that too. I think there's definitely a few out there that they would they'd be more than more than willing to go after um, and sign. But uh, no, I think I mean if Stewart and Mitchell called today and said they want in, I think that they would. I don't think they would hesitate to say yes. Have you uh, have you watched any film on them at all? Do you think they could coexist on the floor? Say that again. I'm sorry. I said, uh, have you have you watched any film on on both of them? Do you think uh, they could coexist on the court at the same time, play together? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think actually Stewart's probably more. Um, I mean, even though he's six eight, I think he fills more of that center role. I don't think he's a guy that's going to step out and shoot too often. I mm-hmm. think he might be capable of doing it, but I think he's more of just your low post presence. Yep. Um, and everything I've seen on Mitchell says that he's a guy that can can definitely step out. Like I said, not necessarily a three, mm-hmm. um, but you know he'll he's more capable of you know stretch forward type bringing a, bringing a, a, a center or a power forward out and you know creating some space that way. Um, so yeah, I mean I haven't watched too much. Um, my area my area of expertise is probably more in the uh, in football recruiting, mm-hmm. um, but I do follow basketball recruiting enough and. Um, I mean, Stewart's one of those guys that jumps off, jumps off the tape, and you watch, and you don't really, you can just watch a highlight film and realize, that yeah, guy. yeah, I, uh, um, I, I, I talking to a buddy of mine, and actually, uh, I was kind of keeping track of the uh, the tweets that came out of the EYBL. He was actually one of only five guys on the EYBL to average a double double up there with guys like uh, Kofi Cockburn out of New York. And some other some of the really high profile players, and I, I watched him play a little bit with Joe Girard. Um, you know, those two together, pretty phenomenal, pretty phenomenal to watch. And uh, Notre Dame is actually after Girard as well. But um, yeah, Stewart is a player that is just a beast of a guy. Um, I, I think it, it's going to be tough sledding for Notre Dame to uh, to get to get him away from the Duke, Kentucky, and UNC's of the world. But uh, like you said, when Bray puts his mind to uh, to getting after guys, he's he tends to be pretty successful. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I mean, it looks like Duke is kind of trending at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think early on in the recruitment, there were a lot of people who thought Notre Dame was probably going to land him. Um, and this was sort of maybe before he was considered like a consensus top ten guy. I think mm-hmm. early on he was more of like a top thirty, top forty guy. But he's really just turned on these last, you know, in the circuit so over summer and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think some of those teams have really turned up the heat, and it's really hard to say say no to Coach Tay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so you, you mentioned uh, some grad transfers. Who's uh, who's who's on your radar there? Uh, let's see. Who's the Stanford kid? Oh, uh, Reed, Reed Travis. Reed Travis, yeah. I mean, I think he's another guy that's going to be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's yeah, I think Bill. I think most people think he's going to end up at Kentucky. Yeah, I've actually um, been hearing I, uh, Villanova for about for since this morning. I was just kind of uh, trolling through Twitter, and I see that uh, Villanova's really really hard after. I think I think there's going to be two front runners is uh, Villanova and Kentucky there. <clears throat> yeah, which doesn't surprise anybody with the way Villanova's going these last few years. Mm. So, um, yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, but yeah, no, I, mean, I think he's a guy that I mean Notre Dame recruited him pretty heavily out of high school, and you know he's he's one of those players that could easily win Pac-12 player of the year if he stayed at stayed at Stanford. He probably would have been drafted, uh, you know, late the late first round, early second round if he went in the draft. So yeah. he's definitely a guy that could come in and step in right away and provide provide the very quality minutes and and some scoring touch for Notre Dame, which it- I think they. Are lacking with with Colson leaving. Is he from the Midwest, Travis? I believe he's from. Hmm, maybe like the Virginia area. Yeah, I really. I I wasn't quite sure. I uh, I uh, I don't really know a whole lot about him. I didn't really. I don't really. It's it's tough for me sometimes to keep up with West Coast hoops. I I know who he is as a player because he's a very good player. But as far as any of his background, unfortunately, I uh, I don't know a whole lot about the kid. Other than that, everybody assumes he's going to Kentucky. Um, Looks like he's from Minnesota. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I don't know how you've... <laughs> but. Um... You know, I guess uh, you end up at Kentucky by way of Stanford when you're from Minnesota. That's that's an interesting road. Um, as far as expectations for the 18-19 season, what are your expectations for this coming year? Yeah, yeah so it's interesting. If you were asking the full season, I was pretty. I was getting on the uh, the bandwagon the last few years of just thinking that Notre Dame was going to get better and better each year. Mm-hmm. I thought the recruiting was getting better. It looked like Bray was you know, going even a step further in terms of his coaching abilities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think I always thought he was a great coach and maybe even at one point I thought I was one of those guys that was like, Hey, this guy's underrated. He's a top 10 coach, you know, in basketball. And now I think that that's, you know, almost a consensus. If you're yes. around. And, uh, um, but yeah, no, they had some injuries. Um, and I think they had some guys not take that step up that they wanted them to like a Rex Fluger. I think, a lot of fans were really disappointed in his play this past year. And I mean, he, he did deal with a back injury and I think that was probably a major role in that. So if he can, if he's, that, I think he'll, you'll probably see a much better senior season out of him, but you know, but he needs to be better. I think when he first, I, I remember reading something when he, uh, when he was a freshman and it was like some list where it was like the, the one and done types that aren't, that aren't uh, five-star recruits. Mm-hmm. And he was a, a player on that list where he was super athletic. He was supposed to be a, a big slasher. He's six, six. And you just haven't really seen that. Like every, it seems like he's scared to go to the hole at times. Um, yeah, like, mess up that hair, man. Really... <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you don't want to mess up the hair. He probably has the best hair in college basketball. So that, <laughs> that probably explains it more than we know. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that we were expecting just a more athletic presence. Um, on the offensive end, then I then Notre Dame fans have been able to see. I think they were expecting more Pat Connington than than a three and D guy who's not even really that good at shooting the three. Yeah, yeah, I, I think uh, Fluger is interesting. Like I, I, I hear what you're saying. When he was a freshman, he came in with kind of a rep that he was, you know, he when he played a little bit as a freshman. Um, you'd always hear the color guys say, you know, this this guy's going to be something. 
you know, more, you know, as he as he progresses. And I think it's fair to say, you know, the injuries obviously derailed the season last year. But what that did was it threw guys like TJ Gibbs and Rex Fluger and John Mooney, you know, from a secondary or a role type player into a position where they had to carry that team. And obviously going into last year, that wasn't something that they thought they were going to have to they were going to have to do with, you know, a guy that is probably, I think Colson was 50-50 with Bagley as far as ACC player of the year going into last year. I picked, I picked Colson to win ACC player of the year last year going into the season. And, uh, you know, that could, uh, that could throw you off a little bit mentally. I think when, when you go from being probably the fourth option on the team, which Pfluger clearly was, I think going into last year to probably the second option on the team, um, you know, in ACC play. So, that's uh, I, I think he's going to do a lot better this year. I didn't know that he was injured. I, I knew that he sat out a game um, at some point over the season, then he returned fairly quickly. But I didn't know he was dealing with like a nagging back injury throughout the season. That's that's interesting. What do you? Uh, what do yeah. you? Th- Go ahead. Well, no, I was just I was just going to say that uh, you know, kind of going off what you what you said. Um, it, there's two sides to it. So there's a side I brought up where it's like, okay, you know, maybe guys didn't take that step that people thought. But then there's the side of, okay, well, these guys grew up mm-hmm. more because they didn't, they weren't, they didn't have to rely on Matt Farrell and Bonzi Colson to do the scoring. So they had to, you know, they had to grow up, even if it wasn't necessarily in the stat sheet per se um, this past season. So maybe these guys like Rex Fluger and um, Nicola Jogo, who you know, Elijah Burns. John Mooney, those types that had to play probably a lot more minutes than they were expecting. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to make them better for next season overall. What's uh, what's your expectation for DJ Harvey this year? Did you see anything in his his play last season that gave you hope that he would be an impact as a sophomore? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. I'm actually working on a piece right now about him because of his his injury as well. He had microscopic microscopic knee uh, surgery. Um. And there's there was a lot of talk early on that he might miss the entire sophomore season, uh, but it looks like he'll be back. Um, but I think there's there's a lot of examples of guys coming off that specific surgery that just never are the same. And so I think there's a worry in that sense. Um, but if you base it off of just him being completely healthy off of last season um, and what he was able to show like that first half of the year when he was there, I mean he's I think he's the the missing piece, I get uh, per se, or the uh, uh, the X factor, I guess would probably be a better word to use. Um, if he can come back healthy and be that guy that was going to take that next step as a sophomore, um, you know, he could you know, he can compete um, athletically as one of the better players in the ACC. You see him more as a as a perimeter guy or a or a like a stretch four type player. I think in Matt Gray's offense, he's kind of a stretch four because mm-hmm. um, I think uh, he always likes to play a smaller lineup overall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if he plays the four. Um, but he was on the perimeter a lot last year, and maybe it was out of necessity. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, he's he can definitely shoot the three, and you know he can drive. Um, but I think he can also you know play a Bonzi Colson role to a certain extent, where he can have his back to the basket, and you know. Yeah. Hit the fadeaway jump shot if he needs to, or or whatever. So I would probably say in Mike Bray's offense, he's more of that stretch four. Um, but you know, I think he's his better position is probably small forward. Um, now, when you say uh, microscopic, are you talking microfracture? Is that the type of knee injury you're hearing? 
Um, I'm, I did, not, I just, I'm, not bit, I'm not really good with the injury thing. But, well, just uh, when you said uh, you know some players having a hard time coming back, I was thinking uh, the first thing that came to my mind was uh, Amari Stoudemire when he was with the Knicks and he had that uh, he had that microfracture surgery and it basically basically ended his career. I mean, he was just never the same player after that. And I was wondering, I, I hadn't heard that. That's new to me. That's that's new information to me. Uh, last I knew, he had a deep bone bruise. So um, I didn't know that he'd actually had surgery. That is, uh, that's something that I was not aware of. But uh, if we're talking yeah, microfracture, then holy cow. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that would make more sense. Because, um, like, microsco- microscopic is more of one of those, like, cleaning surgeries, I think. Right. Um, so I probably just misspoke there. So it's my bad on that. But uh, I really, I mean, he did have the bone bruise. He was supposed to come back and ended up being the rest of the year. Right. Um, so yeah. I mean, basically missed ACC play. Right yeah. there. Yeah. I think he played in the first game almost, and that was about it. Um, so, I mean, if it's – all I know is it's way more serious than than it was originally um, supposed to be. And then there, then there was some talk that he would redshirt the sophomore season, mostly to get completely healthy then – not being able to physically play overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I think it has more to do with, uh, they want, they want him to come back and be 100% instead of, you know, being a shell of himself. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's huge. If, if he, uh, if he suffered an, an injury on that, uh, that magnitude, that is, that's something that I, I didn't know that was out there, but, uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. It's some, something good to know. For I think sure. it's more, yeah, and I think it's honestly more of that. Uh, I don't think it's on like the Twitter sphere per se. It's close to the vest sort of thing. And yep. if you have some, you know, subscriptions, I think it's been rumored on some of that stuff. But I don't think it's officially been released by the university or anything like that. And I and I I know Harvey tweeted out that he only had a bone bruise, and that was as early as wow. um, like January. But I think there was something that when he was coming back. Um, from the injury, he re-injured it again. So it might have been just a bone bruise, and maybe he tried to push it too early on, and then you know just got worse from there. So I think that's where the speculation has come in. But but yeah, like I said, he's the X factor. If he if he can come back and he's what people thought he was, then you know I think Notre Dame has a chance. I uh I one guy that I've been high on for. I think I first heard about him was uh, was uh, about his junior year in high school and his senior year. Um, he also blew his knee out and ended up going to UConn, and now he's at Notre Dame. I am a huge fan of Juwan Durham and his ability to protect the rim. Um, I have not heard a whole lot about him since he transferred to Notre Dame. Obviously, he was a. I think he's a sit one play two. Um, what uh, what are you thinking about Durham? How do you feel about that? Yeah, it's funny. I, mean, I hate to keep bringing up the injury stuff, but he's another guy that's been a little fragile in his career yeah. and missed a lot of time last year in practice uh, for Notre Dame. But he's a body that they haven't really had um, in terms of you know being pretty much six foot and you know and some some girth to him. I know he's sort of skinny, but the last time I checked, he's around that two fifteen to two twenty range. Mm-hmm. So I think that's not that bad. Um, and, you know, and he's an above-the-rim type of player, and that's not something that Notre Dame fans are accustomed to. So if he can be a rim protector, you know, just a guy that can, you know, the, I don't know, the, the alley-oop dunk is, you know, it's a big thing these days. And, you know, just being able to physically dominate a player inside, uh, you know, that's not something that Notre Dame's done. And that's why they usually get beat by the teams like Duke and mm-hmm. UNC is just they have the pure size and Notre Dame doesn't. And he's a guy that can offer 
you know, that presence that, you know, that they, they do need. I have not seen, you know, now that the, uh, now that the, the deadline has passed uh, for kids to declare, um, I think, you know, Notre Dame never really was in danger of losing anybody. There was a chance that Gibbs might go. But now that every, uh, the deadline's passed and the roster's pretty much solidified, uh, some of these people are, are releasing some of these top 25s, not seeing Notre Dame on many of these lists. What's your expectation as, where they can, uh, as far as where they can finish in the conference next year? Yeah, no, I mean, with everybody back besides the, you know, the guys that you knew are for sure gone. Um, I mean, I don't think that there's any reason why they can't be a top 25 team if everybody's healthy and, you know, I'm playing at 100%. Um, you know, and like I said, like before the season started last year, that was my expectation that this team was going to just continue. It's, it was going to continue to get better and better every year with better recruiting, you know, co- the coaching staff improving. I think that that's something that we don't talk about as much as when Bray made those coaching staff changes like two years ago. Mm-hmm. I really do think it helped the team, not only in the recruiting aspect, but just on the floor aspect as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, if they're, if like if guys like DJ Harvey and Durham are healthy and like, you know, you, the guys that you expect to take those next steps, do it like Fluger and Gibbs and Nicole Jogo and John Mooney, those kind of guys. I don't think there's any reason why they can't compete to be like a top four, the top six player or team in the ACC, and you know, be a top twenty to twenty-five team. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, I think they're like a back end top twenty-five team. I think they're a team that's going to probably be. You know, 21 week, and then two weeks later they might be out, and then they're going to beat somebody of note, and then they'll be back in. Um, I think they'll be in the at-large picture. Um, I think I, I agree with you. I think uh, Rex Fluger really needs to step up this year and uh, and be that that second fiddle to TJ Gibbs, who I think has has a real shot at being a first team All ACC guy. Yeah, absolutely, and. You know, and also like I, my my mind has changed. So I'm more. I'm definitely more on where you're where you're at with this team. Um, I think I, they need to prove it to me before I say like, oh, they can be a top ten to fifteen team. I just don't see that right now. Mm-hmm. Um, with their recruiting class that they just brought in, though, um, you know, I think you could see some some huge improvements uh, you know, next year. So like 2019, 2020. Yes, um, I think is when you're really going to maybe see this team take off again. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if someone like Gibbs returns for a senior season, that could be um, a, that could yeah. be a filthy team. I think if in, in nineteen twenty, um, when uh, if Lazuski and, and Hub specifically, I think uh, Goodwin and Carmody are, are sophomore impact players. I'm not sure how much they're going to contribute as freshmen, but uh, I do like Lazuski and, and Hub right off the bat. But I think by the time at least Carmody, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit higher on than Goodwin. I think. But uh, I think those guys will have a tremendous impact as, as sophomores. And if Gibbs is back for his senior year, that's a that's a really good team. Yeah, and I absolutely agree there. I think like I, I'm right with you on there. Shesky and Hub have you know special special college basketball. Um, you know they can be all ACC players eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure like Goodwin and and uh, Robbie have that. Um, and obviously, I don't think that Doherty has that. But if you have a senior, if you have a senior in Gibbs with Hub as his two guard, and then you have Lashesky and John Mooney and and Durham playing, I think that's a really good um, five. And then you have like you said, like Goodwin and Carmody can be the guys that come in as sophomores and 
you know, give you something off the bench. And I'm, I didn't even mention Harvey because <laughs> Harvey could be the best of the bunch if we're, if we're being honest. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. His upside is tremendous. I think uh, the first game that Colson was actually injured, he had, what, 18 points and five rebounds? And then yeah, no, that was the best game of his. Of yeah, the year. and then we never saw him again. So, uh, yeah, man, I think uh, I think we're on the same page as far as what the expectation is. I think they can be good this year, but I think they're going to be even better next year, especially if Gibbs comes back. Um, I'm I'm really interested to see what happens with Harvey now. I, I did not know that he was still he was still injured. Um, Nathan, uh, anything else on your mind as far as uh, Notre Dame hoops goes? Uh, I think there was just one other uh, transfer that I wanted to maybe bring sure. up the possibility of uh, Sasha Kalea Jones, Mm -hmm. uh, the Kentucky transfer. I've heard his name brought up a little bit and he might even be a little bit more realistic than Reed Travis. He Uh, actually committed. He He committed to NC state last week. Oh, my bad. Okay. I actually didn't see that. No, no I need to bring him up. No, (laughs) no worries, man. I was, uh, I, uh, with everything that's going on with the draft and, and everything else, man, it is, it is extremely difficult to keep track of what players. I mean, there's 700 transfers. It's. Uh, I did the same thing when I was talking to uh, Tony Patelis of College Hoop News the other day, and I, I brought somebody up and like he just tweeted back at me and said, "Dude, he he committed to another school like two weeks ago." <laughs> it was That's crazy. Yeah, you know, funny thing is, I looked him up right before I got on the phone with you, and I didn't even see it. I just it just said like, "Oh, uh, was his list down to like five and. Notre Dame was on it, so I just I just assumed he hadn't done anything yet. <laughs> no worries, man. Hey, man, uh, Nathan, I appreciate you joining me. Um, like I said, I'll uh, I'll get the intro done and we'll get this out. But uh, you know, maybe I'll uh, we can revisit this uh, when ACC play starts. We'll see how uh, how much we think we know about uh, Notre Dame hoops going into the season. I thank you for joining me, man. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me on. All right, man. Have a good one. All right, so that was the Nathan Erbach interview from uh, SlapTheSign.com. I thank him uh, a great deal for joining us uh, for this week's podcast. Uh, A couple other guys that I have lined up. Uh, Brett Siegel from Louisville will be joining me at some point over the next couple weeks. And Will Ogenen from ACC Sports will be joining me over the next couple weeks. Uh, Some things that I did want to, um, again... Uh, real quick, uh, if you want to read any of uh, Nathan's stuff, his all, all his stuff is posted at slapassign.com. I tweet some of his stuff out as well. Um, he, him, and I kind of compete uh, for some recruiting news and things like that. So uh, look for us, uh, you know, on slapassign.com and all over Twitter and any other kind of mediums. Um, <clears throat> it's uh, slapassign's been 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 fun for me and I've met some really cool people and uh, Nathan is one of those people. Uh, some things that I wanted to get into real quick this week, uh, just a couple quick hitters. Uh, an independent investigator that was hired by Georgia Tech has cleared uh, head coach Josh Passner of any wrongdoing or I should say has found no credible evidence was found by the investigator to lead them to believe that any of the allegations are true. Um, this is the... the uh, <clears throat> The lawsuit pending against him brought on by uh, former friend, quote-unquote, Ron Bell, and along with his girlfriend, Jennifer Pendley, um, where basically they're making stuff up and trying to ruin this guy's career, who was once uh, very good to them, and, you know, try to help Mr. Bell 
through a rough time in his life. Mr. Bell is a felon, a drug addict, a douchebag, and uh, he's looking for his 15 minutes. And unfortunately, Gary Parrish of CBS Sports gave him that 15 minutes last fall. And uh, <clears throat> just, uh, just a terrible situation. Um, also, um, in, a, in uh, I guess, to tie in to that, um, to that story... Uh, Ron Bell and Jennifer Penley's attorneys in that case against Josh Pastner have actually um, requested to be relieved of their duties in that case, uh, saying that Bell and Penley both misled them as far as uh, the allegations that they brought up against Coach Pastner. So that uh, that lawsuit is is somewhat falling apart, um, rightfully so. Um, everybody you talk to basically says that Josh Pastner is a high character guy and is. Not uh, not really buying into these allegations. So I'm glad to hear that. Uh, some other things, uh, a lot of stuff to do with uh, Louisville this week. Um, they, uh, well, former Louisville player uh, Lance Thomas has actually committed to play for Memphis. Uh, he, like I said, former four-star guy, top 100 guy, didn't, uh, didn't really pan out at Louisville. Um, he would have been a great depth guy for them to have this year. But uh, apparently he had uh, he had other ideas. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on there. Some good news for Louisville. I spoke about a recruit a couple weeks ago named Josh Nickelberry. He actually went ahead and committed to Louisville. He's a, a shooting guard for the 2019 class. He's a top 60, top 75 type player. I look for him to possibly jump up some rankings. He's a player that I really, really like. He had uh, visited both Virginia Tech and Louisville, I believe. And I told you guys a couple weeks ago that... You definitely need if if you're a fan of one of those one of those programs that that's definitely a guy that, that you're targeting as your number one priority in 19 class. Uh, Louisville got themselves a real gem there, I think. Louisville also had an unofficial visit from Jalen Withers, who is one of the top prospects out there. For some reason, my internet connection just died, and I can't really tell you a whole lot about him. But Withers is a uh, a wing, uh, fairly sizable wing, highly talented in the 2019 or the 2020 class. Of course, my internet connection just went completely in the shit house. Um, <clears throat> may write about him a little bit. You may have gathered from the interview that uh, Isaiah Stewart. I can't remember if I flat out said it or not. Isaiah Stewart cut his list to ten. There were four ACC schools on his list of ten. Louisville is also included in that, along with Duke, obviously Notre Dame, as well as Syracuse. Uh, some information coming out of Pitt. Uh, I, I butcher this guy's this kid's name every time I say it. Adiese Tone. I believe his name is, uh, in the 2018 class. So a late pickup for Jeff Capel. He's a three-star kid, 114th in the country, 6'6", small forward. So he's going to pair this uh, this Tony kid with Trey McGowans, who is a solid point guard. He's got Xavier Johnson coming in. Jeff Capel has successfully and immediately upgraded the amount of talent on this roster. Now, you, do, you know, obviously you lose guys like Parker Stewart and Marcus Carr, but... These guys right here that he's bringing in, he's already, you know, he, he's on Armando Baycott's radar for 2019. Jeff Capel is making huge strides for the Pitt program. And uh, if you're a Pitt fan, you have to really like what you're seeing. Um, Capel is proving that he can recruit at a high level in the ACC. And uh, there's there's no reason for any of us to think that he will do otherwise as he continues to move forward. I, uh, that's about it for me for the ACC Basketball Report. This is episode number 26. I thank you guys for joining me. And uh, any questions, you know, uh, ACCBasketballReport at gmail.com. Uh, or you can direct message me on Twitter, ACC, uh, 
basketballreport.com for the website. I haven't put anything up in a little bit. You can see my stuff on slapassign.com as well. Uh, this morning I actually put up a, uh, a piece, Top 10 Players of the Mike Bray Era, that I think uh, that I think came out pretty well. 2,600 words, you know, hammered it out on a Sunday morning. And, uh, you know, don't forget to like, rate, review, and uh, share the podcast with your friends, anybody who may be interested in the ACC, uh, particularly, obviously, ACC basketball. Uh, trying to put a, uh, a good product out for you. It's a little bit difficult in the month of June. But uh, we're going to get into... <clears throat> I've got some things in the works with some people, uh, again, on the recruiting trail. Um, I've been talking to uh, to my buddy T. Little a little bit about some things that he may be able to contribute, so I'm really looking forward to that. I, I am going to be putting out a top 30 remain, uh, returning players in the ACC over the next few weeks. That will not include incoming freshmen there'll be a separate list of the top 20 freshmen coming out after that i'll probably release one a day for whatever it takes four weeks for uh, the returning players and roughly three weeks for the freshmen so i'll preview some of the top freshmen in the class and i'll also uh set my expectations for who i think is the top 30 players in the acc for the 2018-19 season uh try to get some good stuff out to you over the next few weeks i thank you for joining me have a great rest of your weekend thanks